This week's guest is a friend of mine from my time in Washington, D.C. Sarah and I met through someone I went to high school with way back when Tori Amos just released the album Under the Pink and mobile phones were a size 10 sneaker. I was so excited to catch up with Sarah because they are a therapist and educator working with the modality of what I'm currently studying in graduate school, body psychotherapy. Specifically, Sarah is a practitioner and educator of sensory motor psychotherapy, which explores how trauma shows up in our bodies. It's been quite an interesting exploratory year for somatic therapists, navigating how to be in relationship with clients through technology and through screens. Here is my convo with Sarah. Hi. Hi. I was two minutes early. I was all excited. (laughs) Are you usually an early person? Never. Yeah. But luckily your text this morning got me going and I was like, I'm going to go and figure this out because there will be something that goes wrong. Yeah. As it always does. Here we are. I know. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, Yeah, I can't complain. Spring is here. I don't know how the weather is there for you, but it's been in the 70s here. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, actually. D.C. spring is like just the best thing ever. It's gorgeous out right now. Mm -hmm. The birds are chirping. The sky is blue. How is your pandemic? It's been real. (laughs) It's been real (laughs) pandemic-like. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've been, you know, working, uh, homeschooling my child, which, you know, like most public school parents is like yelling at your kid to get off YouTube and hope they're not like surfing Pornhub or other crazy internet places. <laughs> right. And telling them to go back to school. So... Right. Yeah. And wait, have they gone back to school in person yet? Next week, actually, they start uh, a hybrid schedule. So we'll see how that goes. We're really excited. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I can't say that I've honestly been keeping up much with schools reopening because I don't know anyone <laughs> in a primary school. But I do know that my friend Jenny told me that, um, well, they, they had sort of created a pod for their daughter and possibly a couple of other families. And I think their daughter is six. Yeah. Um, But they are now moving or they're going back to school or some type of hybrid situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been kind of nutty. We live, I just, I don't know if you know this, but I moved to the suburbs. I moved to Tacoma Park. Okay. Which is, First time in my entire life I've ever lived in the suburbs. We did it like a year uh-huh. ago. It's super, it's a great, it's like a hippie, queer, diverse neighborhood in a lot of ways. So it's yeah, like my kind of suburbs, but it is not the city. And so the kid, there's mm-hmm. lots of kids. There's a creek. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're back yeah. to the 80s. So we've got like hordes of children just running around. Yeah, I've spent some time there in Tacoma Park um, because I, my friend um, was working for, it's not Dance Place, it's Dance Exchange, which is up in Tacoma Park. Yeah. And then I did a little um, residency there. So I was, I was there off and on for about maybe four months. Mm, Yeah. I mean, hey, moving to the suburbs is like the most adult thing that you can do. I myself have just, I am moving to at the end of this week from being right near downtown in Denver to being closer to Cherry Creek Park, which is maybe 20, 25 minutes, like southeast. Um, But it's definitely, it's definitely got a different feel there. (laughs) Like walking trails are like right there and stuff. And like, it's not just like young people paying 
$1,600 for a studio uh, a month. And yeah. <laughs> well, how come you're moving? What's. Uh, I wanted more space. I wanted a newer building. I wanted like amenities, like a pool. <laughs> and like, I mean, I just wanted, I wanted things. And, it, yeah. and I could have these things if I moved a little bit further out. Right. So I'm moving a little bit further. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a crazy thing. It's like, I feel like the city to out of city transition is really like, you don't realize when you're in the city, it's like, there's such pride. It's like ego. It's like ego. It's like, I don't need things. I love my small space. I love my, you know, like mm-hmm. having restaurants and everything right there. You know, there's such pride in living in the city. And now that I've like moved, I'm like, oh, it's just a little easier out here. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize how hard when I told my son we might be moving to the suburbs and he's 12 now. So he's like 10 and a half. 11 mm-hmm. so well i guess 10 because it's been a year in a pandemic and it was a little before that um he his first reaction was like so no traffic <laughs> <laughs> and i was like yeah, yeah kid that's real like yeah we won't yeah. be on a major because you were living in shaw right uh bloomingdale or- yeah so like right by north bloomingdale. Mm-hmm. yeah right by howard yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, over this past year, I really realized that I enjoy being alone, and I spend a lot of time in my own space. <laughs> and I and I don't think that telehealth is going away anytime soon. Um, right. in fact, I've been, you know, I'm heading into full time internship as part of my somatic <laughs> psychotherapy program. And they have already asked me, would you mind still telehealthing? Because right. they have, I don't know what it's like in DC, but there, there's a wait list for every therapist yeah. in, in Denver. And I'm pretty sure it's probably like that in most places. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they asked, you know, <laughs> would you mind still, you know, splitting time telehealthing? So I thought to myself, well, you know, if I'm going to be working from home i might as well just invest in my space rather than yeah it's real spending a lot of time there how's your program i want to hear all about that too yeah i also want to ask you about somatic psychotherapy because i knew that you were a therapist but i but at that point where we um, knew each other living in DC. I didn't really know that much about therapy. I didn't know that there were sort of various modalities and lenses and yeah. Um, yeah. it's been, it's been interesting. Um, it's, it's been interesting, but it's also of course acerbated by this sudden leap from in-person learning to virtual learning, completely virtual learning for the past right. a little over a year now. Um, and, and of course, nobody really knew what the fuck they were doing. We're, people are kind of just settling in now. I feel like with like academia being on, being in a virtual setting, like yeah. <laughs> now that yeah. we're sort of like coming a little bit out on the other end of it, yeah. people are like, oh, okay, we think we got the hang of this now. And now we're going to, you know, figure it out for real. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's. It's been interesting because of being a somatic program. I feel like we lost a lot of um, the experience of being together, being bodies, (laughs) sharing space together. We haven't done that. So I don't know how much how much somatic of the somatic program we've gotten over the past year, other than to theorize about it, to talk about it theoretically, to read a lot of literature, but essentially to be in this format, to be together on screen. And it it sucks, but (laughs) that's where we are. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's, it's kind of wild. I'm pretty involved with the sensory motor psychotherapy community. Mm -hmm. And so when they went online 
Um, one of the trainers who I'm friends with, actually in Boulder, he's in Boulder person. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, hey, can you come help assist? And I've assisted a lot of the in-person training over the years. And he said, sure, I'll assist this training all online. And so being on the other end too, just like participating with somatic mm-hmm. psychotherapy in education. So like the learning curve, like it's one thing to be sitting in a, like with a client where you're like, okay, I know I've done this for years. Like I, I know what I, mm-hmm. where I want you to like, how I want you to get in your body. And I can kind of Sherpa you there. Um, even through the screen, it's much harder, but also not in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but the learning, I think, is hard because I think, you know, what brought me to somatic psychotherapy was that especially Western folks were so disconnected from our bodies, mm-hmm. right? It's like, you know, whether it's nourishing our bodies, with like food or water, or drugs or whatever it is to um, like how we take up space, how we sit on the subway, like how we take Mm -hmm. up space in relationship, right? Like we just, there's such a disconnection and such a lack of awareness. So, so much of the somatic work is just allowing some training for our bodies to exist in Mm -hmm. our experience. That makes sense. And I think learning that online (laughs) is hard uh-huh yeah i mean i was just i was thinking over this past summer but not even really this summer it's really it feels like a regular occurrence here is like how much dysregulation occurs in the american body constantly i mean it's just like you know especially for people who aren't white bodied but just like i i, I see it too when i when i you know, walk around where I'm currently living. I haven't moved yet. I move at the end of next week. But just all of the people experiencing homelessness and like, I just think about like, gosh, like the level of nervous system disruption that has to be going on to just to get by minute to minute in survival mode. I just, I can't wrap my mind around it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think in this last year with the eruption of awareness, in the masses, right? This sort of social disruption. You know, I think especially black and brown bodies, there's finally an awareness. I don't think it's new, but I think there's an awareness of the dysregulation mm-hmm. that's happening for folks. Right. And I think, you know, Prentice Hempnell Hempill, you know, if you don't know them, you should follow them. Um, mm-hmm. On the social medias, um, but they. And who is this? Prentice Hepill. They're a non-binary um, uh, POC somatic therapist. Okay. And they do a lot of social justice work with BLM, and they do a lot around regulating and the dysregulating of our mm-hmm. bodies, and especially uh, Black and Brown bodies mm-hmm. in the world. And they're just their work is. I mean, I just love their work mm-hmm. um, in all kinds of ways. So, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, this idea in so many ways about, <clears throat> you know, there's also the idea of the relational nervous system, right? It's like when my nervous system goes wonky, what does it do to everybody else? Mm-hmm. And when somebody else, goes wonky, what does it do to me? And we can't really escape that. And so, you know, we've seen a lot of higher divorce rates during COVID, a lot more violence and domestic violence in COVID because people are just trapped mm-hmm. with all, and and being trapped is bad for that nervous system mm-hmm. and the dysregulation. So, I mean, I'm seeing it so much Um in therapy with clients over the year, 
right? Mm-hmm. Just the different stages of the pandemic. When people yeah. are okay and when they're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that you mentioned sort of relational regulation. I just did a deep dive four month intensive um, work, I guess it was a workshop, training workshop on collective and transgenerational trauma mm. with with 1,400 people from all over the globe. So, um, you know, one of the biggest things was to kind of get together and do this, this sort of oscillation of you sensing me, sensing you, sensing me, sensing you back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But it was so powerful um, being in this global community and getting into these small groups with, you know, myself would be, you know, it's obviously in the U.S. and then like someone else who was in, um, you know, Africa, someone else in Japan, someone else in an Eastern European country and all of us together, you know, doing this work mm-hmm. oh, virtually. And, you know, I have to say for as much as Zoom and being virtual gets completely exhausting being in this relationship for the past year for like however many hours a week. Yeah. Having having the benefits of being able to um, connect in ways that we might not have been able to before and for people to start thinking about, um, well, you know, well, now we're sort of forced to be together with this technology. Let's use it towards our advantage and let's have like, you know, four month immersive workshops together globally <laughs> and work yeah. towards like, you know, global connection on collective trauma. Yeah. 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 It, that's really fascinating. And it's fascinating. Yeah how we're absolutely, I mean, in these trainings I'm doing, there's people from Sweden, Germany. Mm -hmm. We are all over the map now being able to connect. It's kind of, it's wild. Yeah. I'm really hoping that some of the regulations around um, us not being able to sort of telehealth between states and things like that really start to catch up with the times. I mean, like, I heard like from, I think it was a rumor from my therapist saying that, well, they're trying to kind of like figure that out. And I was, I haven't heard anything. So I was wondering if that was sort of true, but I really wish that like, there'd be some type of more universal regulation about, you know, within the therapeutic field, but. I'm with you. And, you know, on a different day or whatever, or maybe even now. And it's, I really think, I mean, I understand it on some levels, but ultimately I really think it's an insurance racket. Right. Right. And I think that, you know, uh, I think that mental health is such a commodity in our country. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just, the inaccessibility traditionally of mental health for all humans, right, I think is just part of the culture of mental health. Like there's no mm-hmm. need to make it accessible somehow. It's just like, right. which is infuriating on so many levels. I wonder if it's the same then in countries that have universal health care. Well, you know, I wonder, because like I have a good dear friend in England who just started with a therapist. And actually, I think mental health in England, some of it is just as privatized as it is here. Like mm-hmm. you can go to the local folks, but the quality, you know, that you might not get as qualified person or someone who's trained um for as many Mm -hmm. years or whatever um because there's still a private practice system there as well right yeah yeah i was poking around about that process in england for a little bit but it was kind of it was a little confusing (laughs) i didn't really fully understand it and and also like the literature was vague 
<laughs> Which right. it just may be like that. It might not just be me looking at it. It may actually be like, well, a little vague. Yeah. No, I <laughs> by design, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that in so many other countries, the idea of telling your business to a stranger, right, yeah. is more frowned upon than getting the help you need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've made it a sort of point to kind of spend a lot of time looking at non-Western um, modalities, theories in working with indigenous, Native American, black and brown clients because I was just kind of getting a little oversaturated and tired by the same white male authors writing our textbooks and bringing it up too in class. I'm like, textbooks, okay, let me tell you. One of our textbooks this semester yeah. says that um, transgendered okay. ED is a sexual orientation. Oh. This is a textbook that was written, I believe, in 2018. Stop by two it. white, two white um, psychotherapists. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, two white males, males right. white male psychotherapists. And I couldn't believe it. Uh, <laughs> and they were not quoting, that was not a quote. It was <laughs> from that was another, there. <laughs> another source. It was right. they had Did they know this. it also is no longer in the DSM? Did they know that that came out, what, 30 years ago? Right. I mean, I just, I couldn't believe it. And I, I brought it up in class. And, well, I mean, and, and my instructor, of course, just sort of threw their arms up in the air. Like, well, 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 what else should we do? Right. I'm like, well, think a little more progressively. Find something else. I really wanted to say, don't be lazy. Right. Well, it is, <laughs> right? That there's yeah. a, there, I was just, I have this um, really good group of friends. We're all queer uh, practitioner body workers. And so we started this dinner group actually a couple of years ago. And so every month we go to dinner and kind of like kept it during the pandemic as much as we could. Mm -hmm. So it's massage therapist, nutritionist, midwife, um, uh, another midwife who does like uh, a lot of uh, uh, hormone stuff. Um, and then two of us who are body working therapists and one's an art therapist. So we're like a fun group of like mm -hmm. <laughs> lots of <laughs> and we were sitting around the fire last night and talking all kinds of things enneagram actually which is a whole nother fun thing to talk uh -huh. about <laughs> but we were talking about sort of the origins of psychology and being you know based in these really lucky almost astute smart white guys who got lucky because they were sort of absolved of, they could just, they didn't have the pressures of everything else. They could just look at people, mm -hmm. right? From this really displaced way. And so we were talking about Freud and like talk about problematic, right? Mm -hmm. so, no, it's basically his like case studies were like six of his aunts or something, you know, I mean, he was, <laughs> Not, that's not mm -hmm. true. Don't quote me on that. But, mm -hmm. you know, he wasn't like a well-versed. But somehow he got it right. Like human being, you know, human beings, there's a lot of, he, he f kind of figured it out in a lot of interesting ways. Not everything. Mm -hmm. But um, so we're talking about all these sort of what it meant for the field to be risen by these white guys. Mm -hmm. And like the impact of bringing these other ideas and, and you know, modalities in. And yeah. I, and what does it mean to do? Like, and then we were also talking, and I don't know, it was interesting. So we were talking about bodies and nervous, because, you know, part of our joining together, part of, you know, we like each other, we're good friends. We have a lot of fun, but like we're all body workers. And so we started talking about what it meant to like work with just the nervous system, right? And like how powerful it is that each one of our bodies responds. 
like specially species wise, right? Like the neuroceptors to the brain affect the liver and mm-hmm. you know, our multifidi and these muscles contracting in and out in our spinal cord and the you know autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. Regardless of our superficial sort of epidermologically characteristics. Mm-hmm. Just interesting. Well, you know, they, um, as part of the program that I'm in at Naropa, it's, it's social justice minded. I mean, they really do kind of push social, social justice and activism through the curriculum. Mm-hmm. But then these, these things like <laughs> this book, these texts, um, a lot of them are are not. I mean, yeah. a lot of them feel very um, dominant culture. Um, and even if they do sort of like express uh, a multicultural competency lens, it's still two white cis dudes talking about it. Right. You know? Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of like the work stops <laughs> at some point. You know what I mean? Like, why can't why can't the agenda, you know, dive down a little bit deeper to have more black, brown, indigenous folks in this program? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Naropa's campus is 90% right. white bodied students, faculty. They keep forming, I feel, new coalitions around social justice and diversity, but it's not showing up where it should be showing up. And as one of the leading somatic programs, one of the very few somatic programs in the United States, I just have a lot of concern around um, them not really um, doing the work to train more non-white people you know right uh it's all about access right i mean i could not agree with you more and i think um the visibility of having diverse students in the classroom is essential and i don't think and i think we're seeing more and more but i don't think a program can tout diversity if they're not putting bodies in the room and offering, you know, the the work and the education mm-hmm. to, you know, QT and POC and BIPOC folks. Mm-hmm. And I think it really is about access. And I think it is such a problem, especially with therapy when we're dealing with healing, how white it is. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think too, somatic modalities are really kind of seen as kitschy. They are. They're like, it's like where what is really needed here? Where are people really going? Oh, social work. Right. Marriage well, and family counseling. Right. It's like somatic is like, oh, that's that's like witchcraft, you know. <laughs> right. And it's <laughs> totally. And I actually have to say, I come to sensory motor and I love sensory motor because I think it works best. The modality itself, I find, to, if you're really using it, I mean, it's made by white people. It was created, you know, based mm-hmm. on a whole bunch of these white guys, et cetera. But, Who are the founders of Sensory Motor? Well, the one thing that is good is it is founded by a woman. So it's founded by, um, it was Pat Ogden. Right. Okay. And she joined with Ron Kurtz. She was a dance therapist. And so there is that really, like, that is a really important mm-hmm. piece of it. And I think that's why sensory motor is one of the few um, somatic modalities that's older, right? It was founded about 50 years ago, um, Mm -hmm. that has a relational component as opposed to biological at its core. And I think that's significant. But then it's also, you know, like based on a lot of psychology. So Piaget's work, Stephen Porges, like all these guys who... Mm-hmm. you know, founded relational and neuropsychology stuff. And, but yeah, Pat is the founder 
of sensory motor, which I think has meaning and it shows up in the work. Mm-hmm. And one of the principles in sensory motor relationally that I love is, you know, it is all about relational attunement and, you know, somatically like being with clients in that space, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also this. Uh, one of the skills is called um, contact statements, where you're basically like constantly contacting narrative, the body, um, through these just bits of attunement. So whether it's like, oh, you know, and, and they they it would be meaningless to explain it here, but right, but. What is interesting about contact statements is they're designed as mini interruptions because, um, you know, in Western language, we do not interrupt people. So a client or a person that you're at dinner with, or you have can talk. I currently can just like talk on and on and on and on, <laughs> right? And what happens in the relationship is you create distance. And people go away and you can't mm-hmm. connect. And so it's this idea of these little mini interruptions actually in session that keep you close, mm-hmm. which is really not Western, right? Like if you think about a dinner mm-hmm. table of, of, you know, indigenous folks or people of color or, you know, I know my own, you know, ethnic family right? Nobody's just waiting for someone (laughs) to stop talking, right? Right? (laughs) And so there's this sort of beautiful idea of kind of pinging, like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I see you, I see you, I see you, in this really Uh very non-Western world, because, and for so many white therapists, it's so hard for them to get this edge, because we've been trained, especially there's so many white cis women, Right, have been trained to not interrupt, not it's rude, right? Let somebody talk, mm-hmm. right? Like, and don't take up space. We're, we're missing out on showing up in the relationship. And I think so, that's kind of a fun. I don't know how I got there, but you were mm-hmm. talking, talking about like relational attunement and you mm-hmm. know, white, whiteness and therapy. Right. While you were saying that, I was thinking to, I was thinking about how when my therapist interrupts me, how angry or like how triggered I get by that. Right. (laughs) I bet. Well, you know what it is. I'm going to be real. Like, I think, I think about interruption and this idea of interruption and, and these attunements are not like, Hey, stop talking. I'm going to tell you a story, right? Like a contact Uh statement is more of a speed bump. It's like a, you know, it would be a really quick, like, oh, I see you or, you know, Uh whatever. Um, But it's also around power. And if we think Mm -hmm. about in our culture, right, what it means, like who has power and who's been trained to take up space versus who hasn't, Mm-hmm. right like not interrupting is actually a method of social control mm-hmm. and so i think it is really interesting like what does it mean for us to kind of be attuned to this other person or mm-hmm. ourselves and how mad we get well i think where i go is i'm not being heard <gasps> right and i think uh, some of what's going on in there is is me not being heard when I was a kid Ugh, and me 100%. being talked over and then kind of like excused from the room. Uh, so there's some of that happening still in there. <laughs> but I do get a little like, I'm, I'm not being heard. And then I go into this weird mode where it's like, well, either I'll just play dead, so I'll just stop. Right. And then just forget about it. Or I'll just keep ramming, <laughs> like talking over until he stops talking. Yeah. Right. And what an interesting power game, right? Like that isn't (laughs) relational. Like if he's interrupting you and he's not tracking that he injured you, right? Then it's not Mm. relational. And if you're like, I'm not going to tell you, hey, dude, like, 
you <laughs> interrupted me and that feels bad, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's true as I've never said anything. So I've also played my, my part in that game because I've never just said, you know, for me to be interrupted to feel like I'm not being heard to is doing A, B, and C. Yeah, That's right. Well, I mean, right. I mean, because we get out of, like, we have to, as humans, right? It's like we come into the world by like age five, we've got 75% of our neuroception. Mm-hmm. Like we know how to do 75% of the things that we're ever going to know how to do by age five, which is like nuts. So for the next like 85 years, <laughs> we learn 25% of new things. And that includes like jobs and things we do as adults. So it's interesting. But I think we learn relationships. We learn whether we have freedom to ask for what we need from people to show up in space. From the And most of us don't, mm-hmm. right? Children are to be seen and not heard. They're disregarded in so many ways, right? So I think it's lost on so many of us that we can say, hey, this isn't working. Can we figure out a better way to do this? Mm-hmm. Right, like we don't. It like doesn't occur to most of us that we can have the power or the freedom in our relationships. I think to ask for what we need. Hi, friend. It's me, dropping into the sponsorship slot to let you know that I miss you has a Patreon subscriber page, and I would love your support. I'm keeping it simple. There's a monthly subscriber choice of five dollars and ten dollars. For both you'll have access to a patrons-only Facebook group for connecting with myself, fans of the show, and maybe a guest or two. Also, occasional drops of bonus content. For $10, I'm adding this super sweet pink and white enamel pin that says, Hi friend. Wear it to the grocery store, to the gym, to your COVID vaccination, or anywhere else where cool kids are wearing pins these days. Who knows, maybe you'll meet a new friend. Your Patreon coin goes to support the upkeep of the show, which includes studio rental, gas to get to the studio, website and recording platform fees, dog treats. If committing to a monthly fee seems a little out of reach at the moment and you'd still like to support the show, you can make a one-time donation via PayPal at our website, imissyoupodcast.com. Now, back to the convo. It's been interesting, too, because we... um we only talk over the phone. We don't, mm. we don't see each other on Zoom. Yeah. Um, and it's the only time I talk on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Except for when I call my parents like every few weeks. And I literally do not talk to people on the phone. Yeah. Who it's does like anymore? I, <laughs> I know it's text or I'm on Zoom. Yeah. Or um, FaceTime or right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, FaceTime even I I don't really I don't really do FaceTime. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I still kind of like have my hang-ups about FaceTime, but I never liked FaceTime because I hated people. I hated just like holding up a phone and staring at somebody. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> you're getting, getting, that doing that for your life's it. work in like five minutes. Doing it for my life's work. <laughs> oh my God. Tell me about it. What well, used to be clients would be like, I want a virtual session. I'd be like, ah, that's terrible. Fine. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, I'm doing it all the days. Well, it's also really funny because um, my sweetheart, We talk on the phone a lot, actually. I realize I Uh should have meant that because they live in Baltimore. I'm here in D.C. And so we just, you know, with kids and the thing. Mm. But it's funny because what will happen is we'll talk on the phone for a couple of days. And, like, we Mm. won't see each other over FaceTime. And then we'll call each other. I'm like, there you are. I'm like, oh. And, like, the disconnection and the lack of connection if we don't FaceTime. it is mm-hmm. funny. It's been a little bit of a lifeline for us in that way because there is such a connection to being able to see somebody's eyeballs, you know, mm-hmm. like changes everything. Yeah. It's yeah. The, the guy that I'm 
I'm dating got me out to a restaurant for the first time in like a year <laughs> because I had it, I'd avoided restaurants yeah. entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, yeah, we went out to a restaurant like a couple, it was recently, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so am I allowed to ask you fun things like about the guy you're dating and how you're doing and all those things too? Yeah, totally. This yeah. is, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like my, my hesitation to talk about it, um, comes from a historic jinxing but <laughs> i don't know isn't that um, so wild as if it's magic like i know i'm yeah. i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you i get that in me too well i'm gonna i'm thing. gonna talk about it and then maybe maybe if it goes south i might have to i have might have to make a bonus episode and talk about that but <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome um, i'm here for that yeah i well it's it's new, so it's it feels very much in the new starry-eyed mm. um, yeah. part. It it started out on Grinder, and mm. I really thought it was going to be a hookup, and it was very much that yeah. in the beginning. And there was a a strange shift that occurred at the end of that first meeting, which was he started to engage me in conversation after we hooked up (laughs) rather than ran out of the apartment. (laughs) And I, and I, and it's funny because I actually felt myself slowly guiding him towards the door (laughs) while he was trying to talk (laughs) to me (laughs) because I just assumed. So yeah. yeah. And then, um, on his way out, he asked to see me again. So then we started seeing each other more regularly, but it really mm-hmm. did sort of stay within that um, hookup dynamic. Yeah. And then eventually it got to, um, would you like to go out on a, on a date? <laughs> and then we did. So that sort of started that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been, it's been interesting because it's the first time where I feel I've like been properly courting or properly dating, which means to me more than getting together to hook up since I stopped drinking. So my relationship to dating feels quite different. I'm sure. And it's been a while too. I just haven't really dated. <laughs> right. Um, very much in the first year, it felt, oh, I feel alive. I feel refreshed. I feel rejuvenated. Right. And then, like, after I got over that hump, I'm like, oh, bitch, these issues are coming out. <laughs> like, right. I, I'm like, I've, I've been like really, really do, going to battle. Right. I feel like I've passed into the Mortal Kombat stages. <laughs> Fucking um, feelings, man, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Quarantine and just queers and alcohol and dating and sex, and like all that stuff. It's like so complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to um I'm going for a month. I'll be in England this summer. Mm. Um, seeing some friends here and there, spending a little bit of time in London, seeing some live performance. I bought a concert ticket. Stop like, it. I'm going to a concert in July oh, in England. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. Um <sighs> but I'll also be traveling up and down. I'm going to go all the way up to Scotland and spend a few weeks in Scotland, just kind of like bouncing around. Mm-hmm. And I very, very much um, orientate myself to place by usually finding gay bars or local pubs. Right. And like having drinks up in there. That's right. So this will be very, it'll be interesting to kind of experience something different. Right. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, this is where the internet is like an amazing place for resources, right? Like that's the, because I think it's true, like it, it is so easy to go somewhere and just find the gay bar and like be in community there. It's like what we know, right? Mm-hmm. But now it's like, then there's this whole other Google thing you can do, like gay meetups mm-hmm. or like, yeah, like find a Facebook page, like where the queer's at. It's kind of an interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely go to the gay bars, especially for some drag shows. <laughs> but it'll definitely, it'll just, it'll feel different. It'll feel different. Yeah. Oh. Oh, well, that's awesome. And I am insanely jealous of your travel. I am ready. I am so ready. Yeah. I was going to go last summer. And of course, that was derailed. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm vaccinated. I feel yeah. I feel I'm ready. <laughs> That's right. Are they letting vaccinated people in without quarantining right now? Or they're slowly moving through phases. Something else just lifted now where um I forget what it is, but they're moving. And I'm not I'm not going until like June 24th. Yeah. And June 24th is actually where um England is going to f- kind of reopen things like that's Mm. that's their plan like on this sort of segmented plan oh great um which is why that first week they're like i'm going to see a show on the west end i'm going to a concert i'm going to see ian mckellen and hamlet oh my goodness like there's yeah there's just like there's a lot of stuff going on i have a friend um there who is a dj and they do this queer party thing and that actually started as part of the pandemic, as bringing these like queer parties into virtual space on Zoom so queers could be together to yeah. see each other and then also party together. Well, they're going to start doing them in person. So I think that week I'm going to be able to go to one of them because wow. I've been seeing them virtually. for a year. Yeah, in real. Um, that's amazing. So that's the plan now. If hopefully it doesn't get, you know, derailed. Um, Hopefully it stays on track, but yeah, that's the plan. And then I'm, I'm sure by that point, the quarantine will be removed. There'll be some type of regulation in place um, in order to come into the country. I don't know what that will be. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's like you can, you have to go and quarantine in a specific hotel. Like there's a list of hotels you can oh, quarantine, but right. I think they're starting to release that. They have a list of countries which are like considered, I don't know what they call them, red signal countries <laughs> or something where they, then you really have to do something. You have to really quarantine, but I think they're changing things and and it's kind of fluid. So hopefully by that point. <sighs> I'm ready. I'm ready for the world. Like I went and I got, my haircut the other day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, it like, looks lovely. It was so lovely. Is it? Is it is sh- it's a little bit it's like shaved. It is, well, I have like close. you know the standard queer like side shave, which I've been doing myself all quarantine, and then the rest of the other side of my hair got really long. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean, I kind of miss it. It's like it's a little shorter than I wanted, but yeah, yeah. So I've been shaving the side of my head, but the rest of my hair had just been growing like enormously for a year (laughs) so I was like okay I've got to get it cut Um, but I went and it was like the first day they were doing hair washes apparently and Mm -hmm. so somebody like she was like I'm really excited she's like I want to cut your hair wet so I went and I got my hair Mm. like went in the back and they like washed my hair and the hair the guy who was washing my hair was like like gave me an extra massage on my head and I was like this might be like my first stranger touch like legit stranger touch in a year and I was like I'm so here for it and then I had these images of like because you know there's like only two people in the salon at the time and Mm -hmm. I was like we might be getting back there like I kind of miss stranger touch you know just you know navigating you know, space <laughs> that way. Yeah. So I. So you've been in, you've been in DC, 
<laughs> for 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 the ongoing nightmare <laughs> that it's, is sort of passing. <laughs> it's no joke, crazy town here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the sixth, actually, um, which is the insurrection, I literally had to. I was on a call between clients. You know, mm. I went on the interwebs and I sort of was like, oh there's an insurrection that's bad. And then as I'm like sitting with a client who was actually in Minneapolis, so they had no idea what was going on. I'm like mm-hmm. hearing sirens and all things. And I was like, I can't do this. I was like, there's right. <laughs> like, we're going to have to reschedule. I was like, there's like, and I just like took the day. Yeah. Like, there's like an insurrection happening right down the street. And, you know, black lives movement stuff and the riots and, mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it's been, it's been real here. It has mm-hmm. really been going down to the plaza. Yeah. When Biden's election was called, we were able to go down to the plaza, which is the Black Lives Plaza is what they called it. They've yeah. renamed it yeah. in front of the White House. Um, mm-hmm. And so it is calming down, but it was very palpable very real on all levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was visiting my parents and I had on the news on January 6th and my my mom came into the room. She's like, what movie are you watching? (laughs) I was like, I think this is a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Right now. (laughs) They couldn't believe it. I mean, they're just, and then like, kind of, you know, they sat down on the couch and we watched this unfold together. Yeah. it was completely unbelievable, but yet so yeah. believable. So, right. Well, you know what else <laughs> happened? Um, so we've been, so on inauguration day, I was waiting. I watched it. And my, my son is really into it too, which is kind of fun. So he watched all the debates and we had the inauguration on all day long. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I watched Trump fly away i was like you know and i just held my breath all day i was like they're gonna bomb the, like they're gonna bomb the Capitol. i was just like bracing like in my body mm-hmm. until literally seeing their hands on that good old bible whatever um i was like okay well at least now he's president so you know if they bomb us like they can't take away the pre- yeah and then that night around 10 o'clock after the festivities i don't know i didn't watch the nighttime stuff because I had had it on all day and then I was like just kind of checking out doing other mm-hmm. human things. And around 10 o'clock, I hear at my house show. I am probably, I think I'm four or five miles, maybe mm-hmm. three, mi- three or four miles from the Capitol. My house started shaking and I mm-hmm. heard these incredibly loud booms. And I was like, and I live in a very old Mm -hmm. house. Like, I don't think it takes much for it to shake. But I I flipped out. I was like, oh my God, see, it's happening. It's happening. And Mm -hmm. it turns out it was the fireworks display from the inauguration because there was this like weather issue in the atmosphere that the cold air had landed. And so the reverberations from the fireworks had gone up to like eight or nine miles outside the city. Mm-hmm. And so it was really, I was like, oh my God. Right. Fireworks. I mean, way too traumatized. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, but it's, you know, we are of a society that comes to expect the worst. Yes. Well, I mean, for you guys, I mean, right in Boulder, right? Like last week and having the shooting. And it's this, you know, this idea that like these mass shootings, what we've had five in the last week. They've been happening every day. Yeah. We just don't hear about them because they're not newsworthy. It's like, how are you going to possibly cover a mass shooting a day? But that was the consistency is one per day almost up until a certain point of the pandemic. Right. And, and now we're back again because I remember when the Boulder right. thing happened, seven had happened in the past seven days. Right. It's and <clears throat> and somehow that's our new normal. Like that's okay. Like the mm-hmm. fact that we don't have shootings in schools is because kids haven't been in school. 
And so mm-hmm. now that they're going back to school, what is that going to mean again for school shootings? Like, it's just so crazy what we tolerate and what we get used to. Yeah. <sighs> I just read an article on two axe-wielding lesbians who were holding up gas stations across England. <gasps> Stop it. And then eventually were stopped because they tried to attack someone with a hammer. I was like, how romantic. <laughs> that <laughs> I was is like, actually nary, nary, amazing. Nary a gun mentioned in the entire article. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my God, I love that so much. I feel like that's so I real. I mean, the photo of them too. Like, <laughs> it's like this like lesbian Bonnie and Clyde with like, I mean, only out of the u.s oh only oh my gosh i am googling that as soon as we hang up that is (laughs) that is amazing that gives me hope i mean i mean like (laughs) who needs an ar-57 that's hysterical what what was that movie where they used to do there was that thelma and louise maybe maybe no (laughs) (laughs) there was one like uh oh god i don't remember Oh, I'm terrible at that stuff, but I'm here for it. Yeah. Oh my God, that's hysterical. I, I mean, I went to, not too long after, well, it hasn't been too long since the Boulder shooting. I went to the opening day of Godzilla versus King Kong just because I, I had off. I wanted to be completely <laughs> m- mindless. I, didn't yes. want, I just didn't want to think about anything. And I sat in the theater and I thought to myself, you know, at any moment, someone could come in here and shoot. Right. And I'd really never thought about that that much until that moment. But, you know, mm-hmm. there have been a lot of mass shootings in Colorado. Right. And it is. It's a really... Talk about dysregulated nervous system. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to settle? Right? And this idea... Yeah. Like, how are you supposed to feel safe or enjoy? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, now I, I access I access the game plan if right. something were to happen. Like, I think to, when I sit down in a movie theater, I think to myself, okay, where are the exits? What are the closest exits? It's like the same thing I've always done on a plane. Because, right. You know, I remember from when I was young and started traveling and was reading, well, you should always like know how many seats you are from the closest emergency exit in case something were to happen. How, you know, what's going to really, I mean, in in a plane, you know, as opposed to being on the ground, you're going to have, it's might happen more on the ground. So, but I noticed myself checking the closest exits, like, just accessing sort of what I would do, what would happen. Yeah. And this was like really a real, very real process. Right. Well, I guess um, my friend who's there was, I guess they hosted a bunch of process groups after the Boulder shooting. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, he said he was in one and one of the women talked about that she froze that she you know one of the things that happens is this sort of like cognitive dissonance like it's so beyond what you can conceptualize so your brain like misfires Mm -hmm. one of the women described that she was like she was just frozen she was confused and she was frozen and like people were running Mm -hmm. past her and she didn't know what was going on right so they were they were in in the the supermarket in this king supers and it wasn't until someone like literally grabbed her and like yelled in her face <laughs> that she like was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is going on. And it's just this kind of crazy, you know, I, I do. Well, I, mean, I think that there's yeah. been so much happening too for us, like over the course of the last year or two, I think that it's hard. Like people are checking out and they're not grasping all of what's happening and then kind of having, I mean, it's just, crazy psychology Mm -hmm. of humans right now is wild yeah i mean it's easy to check out yeah when you're (laughs) overwhelmed by trauma when you're like oh i could be shot any day or hurt or harm yeah 
And I like I often wonder too, you know, how my nervous system would respond to something. Um, but I mean, freezing is it's a real. nervous system response. Yeah. yeah, I know. And you got to go to a movie in a theater, huh? Well, you know, I was going to say earlier, but I, but then I didn't say it, is that we've actually kind of been spoiled here because we've had gyms open and everything since June. Um, there yeah. was a period where things had shut down, but um, more or less theaters, things like that have been open since June. Oh, wow. Now, mind you, I've been in the theater with just myself like i've been it's no one's really been going mm -hmm. to the movies very much and they've done all this sort of social distancing stuff right um in the theaters but and the same thing with the gym there was one point where you know i go to the one of the largest um indoor rock climbing gyms in the u.s i think it actually may be the largest so it's cavernous oh, wow. in there right um there's lots of space and they were allowing you know when we were really ramping up here um, it was like they allowed 40 people in at a time. So people would hop on that system at like five o'clock in the morning and book out in <sighs> advance you right. know, a space to be able to get inside and use the gym. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been mostly open here except for some fluctuations in like of obviously indoor dining and things like that they were that was closed for for some time but you know i i couldn't imagine not spending my pandemic here with all of the mountains and surrounding areas and being able to kind of like just get out and escape and have nary a person near me for miles and miles and miles right and right. i know that that isn't the case for a lot of people, especially living in urban set in urban settings. Yeah, no, I mean, I a friend of mine who lives down in Lagden Alley, so she lives right, really right downtown. Mm -hmm. Said to me, she's like, "Do you ever like just look and think, wow, like moving out there was a really good idea, <laughs> like mm -hmm. moving out to the suburbs, you know?" Because I'm actually, again, I'm only. Four, three or four miles from the capital. I'm not really that far, but it's true. Like having space, having mm -hmm. land, like ha not even land, but having being near a creek, being near woods, being near nature, just being able to go out, mm -hmm. I think is so important. Yeah. I just read something that I think it was manhattan where they were saying oh people are coming back people are coming back into the city i'm like i don't know about that yeah. <laughs> i think it might have been like they might have been a little bit propaganda like like right. there's a real estate person right but like but i i wonder whether people are yeah. coming back in droves to places where they've sort of moved away from now i know real estate in denver has been like near impossible there have been right. i feel like so many people have moved to this right. area from la from oh, other bet. areas i'm yeah. you know yeah it's been a there's been a boom here <laughs> yeah absolutely here too I mean, and people are yeah i think they are they're trying everybody's at home and so people are like do i like where i live mm -hmm. and like not putting up with those same things like wanting more yeah. they're moving and, just, and reconnecting to nature right and and environment yeah and not being able to go inside right allows us to be so much to i think has been you know allowing everyone to reconnect like i don't mm -hmm. even think about going inside places right at this point because we're still pretty locked down they just opened restaurants for the first time probably mm. in a year. Are they doing, is it just outdoor seating? Are they doing indoor? No, they had outdoor seating. And so they did things like, you know, Adams Morgan, they made it into one lane and they are like, they've taken over streets, they've closed streets. Um, and Tacoma Park, they've closed one of our th throughways and made it like all outdoor seating. So they've had mm. outdoor seating. 
but indoors is really new. And I think Hogan may have just opened Maryland up, but it was last week and it's, you know, it's the first time in a year that we've been really open. Well, yeah, I was just thinking about, well, DC doesn't have a governor because it doesn't really have, I mean, it has... Oh, as a mayor. A mayor. So is Muriel Bowser the one who was making decisions for all yeah. of that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she makes right. all the decisions. Pretty much. Is that, I wonder if that's back on the sort of ballot, you know, DC statehood has been on and off and on and off, but I yeah. feel like there's been a growing... Um, it is. It's back on the ballot in force right now. They're doing a lot of campaigning. Mm-hmm. And try and really kind of pushing it again, especially because of the way so much of this has been handled. And, you know, I think, you know, it's just such a problem because Congress, you know, doesn't want DC to have senators. I mean, that's really what's stopping it, mm-hmm. is it would mean two blue senators, which would really, right, right, like it would. So that's what it is? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I never thought of it that way. Because we have one House representative that doesn't have voting rights. Right. Which is Eleanor Holmes Martin. Yeah. But we don't have Senate representation. And because Senate representation's equal. And it's Mm -hmm. D.C., so they'd be blue. No question. Yeah. So other than that, I think they give us, I mean. <laughs> well, I want to ask you one thing before we yeah. say goodbye. And that's, what's something that you're hopeful for in 2021? I am hopeful that we will, that like I will create a new normal. Like I'm hopeful for hugs. I'm hopeful for staying with some of my more, like the relationships that I've built and stayed with over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful for a concert. I'm hopeful for travel. I'm hopeful mm-hmm. for like staying outside. I'm hopeful for, you know, like some peace in my nervous system, I think. And everyone around us just kind of figuring out how to go back to safety. Mm -hmm. How about you? What are you hopeful for in 2021? Mm. I'm hopeful for a settling of all of the particles that have been thrown up into the air (laughs) over this winter to come down and settle. Yes. Yeah. I'm here for that. Well, thank you so much Um, for chatting. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, me too. It was so good catching up with you. And I got to see your face, which was so fun. I love that. Well, have a good rest of your day and weekend. And hopefully we get to catch up soon again. Yeah.